This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Luke chapter 15, uh, we're going to jump into today's reading. Many dishonest tax collectors and other notorious sinners, never I see notorious, I think of B.I.G., Notorious, did, did he just get a whoop? <laughs> I think he did. I like that. Okay. Notorious sinners often gathered around to listen as Jesus taught the people. This raised concern with the Jewish religious leaders and experts of the law. In other words, this made church people upset. Indignant, they grumbled and complained, saying, Look at how this man associates with all these notorious, please don't whoop, sinners and welcomes them all to come to him. In response, Jesus gave them this illustration. Now, if you come to Zoe and you're like, you know what, to be honest, the teaching's not deep enough for me. We, I, I want to go deeper in the word. Okay, well, good news. We have a Zoe Devo. You can pick one up on the way out, and you can read the Bible every day. It'll be awesome. But to be honest, uh, Jesus himself was not a deep teacher. In fact, every time Jesus made a statement, he told a story. And every time Jesus told a story, he made a statement. Stories were windows into what he was really saying. So to make his point, to make his statement, he always told a story. This story is going to give us a window into who Jesus really is. So in response, Jesus gave them this story, this illustration. There once was a shepherd with a hundred lambs, but one of his lambs wandered away and was lost. So the shepherd left the 99 lambs out in the open field and searched in the wilderness for that one lost lamb. He didn't stop until he finally found it. With exuberant joy, he raised it up and placed it on his shoulders, carrying it back with cheerful delight. Returning home, he called all his friends and neighbors together. That's called a group text message. You don't have to reply. You just, it's fine. He called all of his friends and neighbors together and said, let's have a party. Come and celebrate with me the return of my lost lamb. It wandered away, but I found it and brought it home. Jesus continued, in the same way, so now he's making a statement, in the same way there will be a glorious celebration in heaven over the rescue of one lost sinner who repents, comes back home and returns to the fold, more so than for all the righteous people who never strayed away. I want to preach a message today. You can write down the title. It's called Lost and Found. Jesus is giving us a snapshot. He is giving us a window into what he's all about. He is saying, I will leave 99 church folk in the church service, in the temple, to go find the one that is lost. And even if i got to go through the wilderness looking high and low, I am more concerned about lost people than I am about already found people. You are already found. You already know God. You're already good. You're already going to heaven. So I don't just placate to the 99. I leave to go find that which belongs to me. I'm believing that today we will understand who Jesus is and we will understand what he wants us to do. I believe that, listen, you will always have a what attached to your why. 
And as soon as you know your why, you'll know what to do. Jesus knew what to do with his life because he knew why he was here on earth. Remember, the Bible says, though he was rich, he became poor. Though he had it all, he gave it all. Why? Because he knew his why. It determined his what. I'm believing that for Zoe today, we will understand the why of the good news of Jesus, and it will determine what we do as his people. Amen? Somebody clap. That means everybody's got to clap. Come on, everybody's got to clap now. Come on, let's pray. And let's believe that God will come and speak to us today. Jesus, we are in awe of you. We are truly in awe of your love and your grace and who you are. We are praying today. Will you open up our eyes so we can see you and open up our ears so we can hear you. Thank you, God, that you love us. You're for us. You are with us. And God, you have a greater plan for our life than we could ever imagine. We speak destiny and potential over every person that's here. Thank you, God, that the best is yet to come. We speak a blessing. And God, we ask, bless the greatest city in the world, the city of Los Angeles. Bless our city today in Jesus' name. And everybody said together. Come on, let's clap one more time. A big church clap. Come on. Come on, the loudest clap right here of the whole day. I love a good, loud church clap. Now, it, it, it goes without saying, all of us lose things. All of us, we've lost stuff. Some of us are better than others at losing things. Some people it's like, wow, you're really good at just losing all, all everything. This is my wife. Again, this is, the, this is Julia. She, she's I lose like normal stuff. Normal people lose normal things. We lose keys. We lose wallets. We use Apple TV remotes. We lose stuff. Julia loses expensive things. Julia loses stuff of great value. Julia loses the things I buy her for Christmas, anniversaries, and Valentine's. Like, she loses the good stuff. Yesterday, we went to go uh, watch our son, our six-year-old. He's playing in a basketball game. He's outside. He had an outdoor basketball game. In this basketball game, he's six. They don't keep score, but we won 28-4. And so, you know, I'll let your boy. And so, he, we, you know, we feel good about ourselves. So, we had a great day. Yesterday, we had, ain't nothing better than when you got a whole bunch of uh, kids you have a, a, a litter of children. We, there's nothing better than having a good Saturday. We had a, th these are hit or miss when you got a lot of kids. You can have a bad Saturday in the blink of an eye. We had a good Saturday. It's fantastic. We had coffees. We had basketball games. We got haircuts. We had a great Saturday. At the end of the day, Julia in our kitchen has a moment of panic and says, Oh, my gosh. I lost my important earring. Now, my first question when she tells me she lost an earring is, woman, did I buy it for you? Did someone give it to you? Because this determines how committed I am to the rescue mission. Now, at the time, she said Rachel, which I thought was Ray Ray who's over here. I thought she meant that Ray Ray. After the first service, the 10 a.m. service, she clarified that it was a different Rachel who is our jeweler, which I bought the ring, so the earring, so, you know, I should have cared more. So, translation, we had to go on a rescue mission. I wasn't that involved because I thought it was from you, Ray Ray, not me. So, anyways, we all load up in the van, and we go down to the, to the place that my son played his basketball game, and Julia gets out the van again. At this time, I didn't think I purchased it, so I'm not that invested. So, so I send Julia on her own rescue mission, and she goes out. She looks at the, through the whole basketball court, and then she comes back to the van, and she's, she's, she's walking the sidewalk we walk. She's going back to our parking space. She's looking all through the van. She's looking high and low, and there's nothing better 
then when you feel like you are superior to your spouse for one minute, it feels awesome. That's what you do, don't you? You lose stuff. It's a great feeling on Valentine's week just to feel superior for one moment because usually it's not the case. So I'm like, this is what you do. You lose stuff, you know? So anyways, uh, yeah, that's where we're at. So but I, I, I want to talk today about how Jesus came to save the lost. And things that don't matter to you if you lose them, like if they have small or insignificant value, he just go, oh, I'll buy another. I'll get another. I've been through so many, so many of these little AirPods. I'm just like, I'll get another. They're not that important. But when you lose something that is of great value, you lose something that's important, you will search high and low. You, the, the, the quality of the value determines the passion of your rescue mission. You, you say, you know what? This means so much to me. I've got to do everything to come and rescue, everything to come and find. I want to tell you that Jesus was sent by God to this earth on a rescue mission and he came not to save those that were already in the temple. He came to save the lost. Come on, anybody thankful that Jesus Christ came and this was his mission? Oh, you ought to clap louder and give God some praise today. This is his greatest passion to seek and to save the lost. In fact, watch what it says on the screen. Put up there, Luke. It says this, that Jesus, he says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to seek and to save lost people. I think some of the biggest problem that we have is that we have moved the scale of lost to like lost, lost. So we don't really care about lost people. We only get concerned about like lost, lost people. Oh, it's like, oh, man, you know, they on drugs. You know, they, they, they sleep and all oh, they do. And we, according to our own measure of morals and character, we put people in the category of lost, lost, God's concerned about them. But, you know, my neighbor, my coworker, you know, my cousin, they, they're just regular lost. No, Jesus does not have a scale of lost, lost, or lost. Anybody that has yet to receive the good news of Jesus Christ is by definition, according to God's kingdom, lost. And he says, I'll leave the 99 church folk. I will leave the ones that have already been found to go out on a rescue mission and come to seek. Watch what he says here in Mark 2. Oh, I love this scripture. It says, but when Jesus overheard their complaint, he said to them, who goes to the doctor for a cure? Those who are well or those who are sick? I have not come to call the righteous, but to call those who are sinners and bring them to repentance. I am not here to host and entertain Christian people. I am not here to just have a bunch of kumbaya services. I am not here so we get together and we feel good about ourselves because we're already found. I did not come for those that are well. I came for those that are sick. I came for those that are lost. I came for those that are broken, and I will do anything within my power. Come on. Somebody praise him right now. He is a God that came on a rescue mission. He's on a rescue mission. Uh, someone in the church was telling me about um, th their daughter is, is dating, th dating this boy. And this kid, this young man, he, he's been, um, he, I think he's four or five years now sober. Come on, let's give it up for this guy. That's fantastic. And remember, a lot of times in life, what you got saved from 
is usually your ministry. Usually what God brings you out of, you have a passion for. So this young man, because he was saved from drugs and alcohol and the life of an addict, he now, I forget the, the term, the title that he has, but he, his, his job is he goes and other 16, 17, 18-year-olds that are struggling with drugs and alcohol addiction, their parents will sign them up for rehab. And the way that they get these kids, they would never go on their own accord. So the way they get them is these guys, they're like headhunters. They get all dressed up in the fatigues at night and they snatch kids from their bed at 4 a.m. I was like, this is savage right here. I was like, you could do this, it's legal? Yep, the parents sign them up. I'm like, dang, that's savage. And they sneak in the house and they just whoop, grab somebody and they, they bring them into rehab and they have no choice. God does not force you to become found he woos you by his love and his grace. So by your own decision, you say, I want to come to know God. I want to receive forgiveness. Come on, anybody thankful today that God didn't force you? He didn't rescue you that way. Come on, you voluntarily decided, I'm going to serve Jesus. He came on a rescue mission and he did not come for a bunch of righteous people. He came for sinners. He came for broken, messed up people like you and I. You and I were so lost, we didn't even realize we were lost. You and I were so broken, we didn't even realize we were broken. But Jesus, by his grace, went on a rescue mission and found us. God found us and called us by name. He pulled us out of a pit, set our feet on a rock. And now, by the grace of God, we are standing free, hold, delivered, and redeemed. Is there anybody grateful today? that Jesus Christ came to this earth on a rescue mission for your life. You ought to give him a louder ovation than that. He came to rescue you. And so now that you've been found and you've said yes to grace, and if you've never said yes to grace and you've never said yes to Jesus, at the end of this service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive the greatest gift in the history of your life. And that is the gift of salvation. That you can literally be rescued from your sins. You can be rescued from eternal damnation and be given the hope of everlasting life. When you and I get saved, Jesus uses the word here, fold. We get brought into the fold. It is not the heart of God that you and I stay in the temple, stay in the church, just to entertain one another. Love each other. <laughs> Aren't you so glad we're saved? All those lost people out there, huh? Wicked ones, Clipper fans, huh? <laughs> but you know, you and I, saved. So come on, every Sunday, let's get together with all the saved people, safe people, and let's, um, let's enjoy the fact that we're no longer lost, but we're found. Actually, quite the opposite. Jesus, when you become found, he actually embeds in you a passion and a desire for people as large as his passion. In fact, write down number two. He asks us to make people our passion. In fact, when you get saved, God puts inside of you, into your heart, what matters to God starts to matter to you.
What makes his, his heart break makes your heart break. What is his passion becomes your passion. And so now all of a sudden, it's not about just being in the temple. It's not just being in church. It's about saying, you know what? I want to go on a rescue mission. I want to go help, find some, uh, help somebody find Jesus. In fact, watch what he says here. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. It's going to come on the screen. It says, therefore, go into all the nations and, and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In other words, what Jesus says is once you come in, you've got to go out. Once you get saved, you've got to go find someone that's lost. It's not about just staying here and staying in the temple and staying with other saved people and be like, aren't you glad none of us got the virus? Come on. Now, aren't you glad that we're all saved? No, it's about going out. Go, therefore, into all the nations and help people get found. Come on, Zoe. Is anybody passionate about what God is passionate about? And that's people. In other words, God is not passionate about us getting together in his temple to have our little kumbaya rallies. God is passionate about us going to save his sons and his daughters. There is nothing that value, he values more than his children, his sons and his daughters. And if you'll be used to go out, I love this so much. In other words, his last words are our first concern. I went to Bible college here in Los Angeles, and in our Bible college, when we go to chapel, we had to go to chapel three times a week. If you're wondering why I am so cynical, it's because of that. We had to go to chapel three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, chapel services. And when you walked in the chapel, there was this big sign that said, his last words are first concern. And it showed a map of the world. And it showed kids in Africa. And, and Asia, and India, and all over the world. And it would show, you know, people from our Bible college going to all these nations on rescue missions to tell people about Jesus. And I always thought I had to go to India or Africa to go on a rescue mission. But God showed me years later that I don't have to go to Mexico or Cambodia to go on a rescue mission. That I can go on a rescue mission at any Starbucks, any restaurant, come on, any cul-de-sac, any basketball game. Come on, we're living with the greatest passion that he has put in our heart, and that is a passion for people. Go. Go into all, the go into all of Los Angeles. Go to Echo Park. Go to the valley. Go to Hollywood. Go to Malibu. Yes, Jesus. Your will be done. Some of us, the reason why we tend to stay safe and we live in a little bubble and we tend not to go out on rescue missions because we feel like it's a lot like this headhunter kid that we've got to get in these fatigues and we've got to go do some crazy, amazing rescue mission and we're going to rescue somebody from drugs and alcohol. But actually Jesus asks us not to, to do anything but really two things is what he asks us to do. He asks you and I to be the, well, the, Light of the world and the salt of the earth. And light makes everything brighter and salt makes everything better. 
I'm just going to ask you, Zoe, if you're going to receive God's heart for his people, write this down. Make everything better and everything brighter. So unintimidating because our only responsibility is to make everything just a little bit better and everything a little bit brighter. We're called to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We're called to go out of these four walls and shine a little bit brighter and, 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 and taste a little bit different. We're called to be the salt of the earth. You ever taste something and it's kind of bland, it's got that bland taste and you're like... It, it needs some more... It needs some more salt. You ever be somewhere dark and it's like so dark, and you're like, oh, I just, if, I just need some more light. Thank God, listen, shout out to Steve Jobs. Thank God he put a flashlight in our cell phone. I know half the time it's on, you didn't mean to turn it on, but thank God we got one. Because I've been using that thing, anybody else? God is asking us to taste a little bit different and to shine a little bit brighter. Watch what he says here in Matthew 5. I love this scripture. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? If it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine bright before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, what God is asking you to do is to shine bright like a diamond. I'm a dad. I can, I can say cheesy jokes. I think the problem is, is, is that most of us are so focused on a church setting and we get into this comfortable temple life that we're just like, let's just shine bright in already bright spaces. But the gospel is about shining bright in spaces that have darkness. The gospel is about going to places that other people would not go. Jesus came not for those that were saved. He came for those that were lost. He came for those that were broken. Come on, Zoe, is there anybody down to get out of our comfort zone and say, I'm going to shine a little bit brighter and I'm going to be the salt of the earth it's not about it's not about what happens here it's about what happens out there it's not about us being already rescued it's about those that are struggling those that are in addiction those that are in suicide those that have a poor self-image those that don't know that God's obsessed with them those that don't know there's a better day those that don't realize heaven awaits those that don't realize Jesus died on the cross and the only way they're going to come to know God is by you just shining bright and you being the salt of the earth Come on, seven people are clapping right now. Come on, clap a little bit louder, Zoe. And I feel like one of the pivots that we have to make as a community is what we have to get out of this mindset that it's all about Sunday. It's all about church. It's all about us. Going out, shining bright. Going out. And being the salt. Making everything better. You might be like, practically, I would love to go find something that's lost. How do I win the lost to Jesus? To be honest, the greatest way you can do this, write this down, add value to people. Just add value to people. 
you have to want more for them than from them. So I'm going to add value. And people look at you and you go, they're going to say, you know, I've served a lot of tables tonight, but there's something different about your table. I've interacted with a lot of people today, but there's something, there's something in your countenance. There's something in your eyes. You ever looked in someone's eyes and you could see tiredness? You could see defeat? You could see fatigue? Then you look in someone else's eyes and you can see life and joy and strength. We are not called to beat people over the head with the Bible. We're called to be the light of the world. We're called to be the salt of the earth. Called to make people go, I don't know what it is about you. I can't put my finger on it, but you seem different. Everybody else acts kind, but I can tell that you are kind. Everyone else's generosity has a string attached to it. I can tell you really just give freely. Everyone else seems insecure and tries to one-up. You seem so at peace and ease with yourself. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And Jesus has rescued you, and he threw you a party. I don't know if you remember the day that you got saved. I don't know if you remember the hour or the moment, but you received the love of Jesus. And the Bible says all of heaven threw a party. All of heaven, they turned up the music. It was probably Pitbull edited. <laughs> Just use your imagination. And you got rescued. And you said yes to grace. And what a boring, dull Christian life to just go, well, <laughs> guess it's just church <laughs> for the rest of my life. Just come on Sundays, sing a few songs, go home. It's not called you to sit in a temple. And they say, how come? Jesus always hanging out with people that don't talk like us, dress like us, and act like us. Every time we come around, every time I come in the kitchen, every time I come around, this guy, thank you for laughing, this guy right here is hanging out with sinners. What about us church people? Jesus like, you missed it. I did not come for already healthy people. I came for sick people that don't even realize they're sick. I came to rescue them and heal them and deliver them. And I'm asking you once you're saved to go and do the same thing. Come on, clap and make a declaration. I'm down to be on the rescue team. you got to ask yourself a question. Write this down. Is it about success or significance? Is your life on this earth going to be driven by trying to be a success or you will you be driven by being significant? Because success is about you. Success is about your name. Success is about your bank account. Success is about your legacy. But significance is about others. Significance is serving. Significance is saying so-and-so wouldn't be in the party unless I went on a rescue mission. So-and-so wouldn't have got their whole family saved unless I died to myself and I won them to Jesus. This is the life that God has called you to live. Jesus did not come to be a success. Jesus came to be significant. Give him a praise today. Oh, I love this about Paul. I love this about Paul. Look at 1 Corinthians 9. Now though, even though I am free from obligations to others. Translation, I am free to be a success if I want. 
If I want to make a lot of money and be uberly successful, what is it to you? He says, I'm free from it. However, however, I joyfully make myself a servant to all in order to win as many converts as possible. I became Jewish to the Jewish people in order to win them to the Messiah. I became like the one under the law to gain the people who are stuck under the law, even though I myself am not under the law. And to those who are without the Jewish laws, I became like them as one without the Jewish laws in order to win them. Although I'm not on the outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ. I became weak to the weak to win the weak. I have adapted to the culture of every place I've gone so that I could more easily win people to Christ. I've done all this so that I would become God's partner for the sake of the gospel. Come on. Give them a big praise if you're down to live the life that Paul lived. A life of significance. In other words, I don't know how to say this any other way, but you're never going to win somebody that doesn't like you. I think that was an amen. You will not win someone that does not like you. And so it starts with people liking you. It starts with you winning people over. It starts with you going, you know, when I'm with these people, I try and talk sports. When I'm with these people, I try and talk politics. When I'm with these people, I try and talk entertainment. When I'm with these, I become all things to all people not just so that I could be liked, but so that I could win people over to Jesus. This is my mission. This is my obsession. I am trying to be liked so that I can point people to a greater Savior. I am not the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. But if they like me and they'll listen to me, I can point them to the man that died on the cross for their sins. I pray over every person at Zoe that you refuse a life of success. I get it, I get it, I get it. We all want to be successful. But there is no greater reward in heaven than living a life of significance. That when you get to heaven, other people stand there and say, you know, to be honest with you, we wouldn't have been here if it wasn't for you. The way you loved us, the way you prayed for us, the patience you exuded. None of my kids would be here. I don't care how much money or success you have on this earth. It is all hand stubble. You are taking none of it to eternity with you. The only thing that matters on this earth is helping other people that are lost become found in the name of Jesus. It is the only thing that matters. It is the only thing that matters. And I feel like I feel like the greatest revival that has ever happened in the history of the church will not happen in these four walls. It will happen out in cafes. It will happen in our living rooms. It will happen at restaurants. It will happen in cubicles. Come on, anybody thankful right now? It is not about what happens in church services. It doesn't mean nothing unless it affects out there. In fact, write down the last thought today. This is so true for Zoe. I'm believing this is a pivot. It is not about come and see. It is now about go and tell. 
and it used to be forever. Just come to church, you know. Come in church. Come to Sunday. Worship team, you could join me. Come and come, come on Sunday. Come on Sunday. It is no longer come and see the temple. It is now go and tell. Go and tell everyone you can about Jesus. Go and tell everyone. I know it might be weird if you just walk up to somebody and be like, hey, are you saved? Hey, I just want to ask you a quick question. Are you going to heaven or hell? I'm not asking anybody in our church to do that because you will be a bad representation of heaven. But I am asking you to be salt, and I am asking you to be light, and I am asking you to become all things to all people so you can win some. But just understand the end game. The end game is winning. The end, I don't care if it takes four years or 40 years. We're going to win people. We're going to win people to Jesus. We're going to win people to grace. We're going to help, help the lost become found. And there's going to be people that when you get to heaven, they say, thank you for loving me and showing me the reality of God. Forever, forever. It's been like, just bring them, you know. Just get them here and we'll take care of the rest. Are you kidding me? You have the same power on your life than I do. I am no more better than any person in this room. It is not about come and see. It is about go and go tell. Go and tell. And if you don't feel comfortable going in the middle of the night at 4 a.m. to go rescuing somebody in a really obscure, weird way, don't. Because that's not the rescue mission that Jesus came on. He sat and he dined and he ate. And he reasoned, and he talked, and he laughed. And eventually people that you never would have thought, they got won over. Forgive me for being so emotional this week. I feel like I need to repent as your pastor because I have been so addicted to come and see. Come and see. And I've lost my passion, if I can be honest, for let's go and tell. I had this amazing moment. This last week in Jupiter, Florida, where I got to sit with a, a hero and a mentor of mine, John Maxwell. Many of you have heard of him. He's 72 years old. He's sold 34 million books. And he sat there and he prayed over us and he cried over us. And he just really challenged the core of who I am. He said, you know, this really challenged me. He said, you know, when I was a pastor, I used to ask God every year. Let me win 200 people outside of my church to Jesus. Sometimes you get around people and you're like, I'm doing nothing with my life. I didn't even know we're supposed to think like that. And God just began to speak to me and deal with me. and said, what mission are you on? Are you on the success mission? Is it about success? Zoe is a success. No, it's not. Not if there's people in our city that are lost and don't know it. Not if there's friends and family that don't know there's a way out. Not if there's people that are struggling depression and don't have a shot at hope because we are too busy holding kumbaya services in the temple. Not just, I got to repent. I got to ask for your forgiveness. I'm not going to live this way no more. 
I'm going to do everything I can, everything in my power to win some people. I want to win some people. I want to go out and become all things to all people. And just for, just for some shot at somebody knowing Jesus. It is not about how many people come to a service. It is about how many people come to know the gospel. It is not about hosting these kumbaya services. We are not about Sundays. But I empower you. I beseech you. I beg you. Please do not let your foundness just be so thrilling and enthralling that you never go find somebody else. Let it determine in your heart that God's greatest burden is your greatest burden. That what God's heart breaks for, your heart breaks for. I'm just believing that there's a pivot and there's a pivot that's coming in my life and coming in our community. And the pivot is not that we don't believe in God more. It's that we actually do something with our faith. That the greatest revival that Los Angeles has ever seen, we might not ever see it in a stadium, an arena, or a Bancroft, and not an east or in a valley, but it will happen in coffee shops. It will happen around living rooms. It will happen in office spaces. It will happen because somebody says, after winning somebody over, I don't know if I've ever told you my story, but my story's crazy. My story's so crazy, I was lost and didn't know it. And I was so broken, I was so afraid, and I dealt with insecurities, and I dealt with all these, these things, and there was a generational curse on me, and I couldn't get rid of it. And somehow, some way, God sent me Tim. Sorry, I'm just using Tim's name. Tim. Oh, we're in L.A. Jose. And Jose opened up because I really liked him. And, and, and your faith is always traced back to a person. Your faith is always Don't worry, bro. It happens to everybody. We good. Your faith is always traced back to a person. And what I'm asking our church is maybe you're supposed to be that person. Instead of looking at self, what's in it for me? What can I get? How do I look? How am I being perceived? Am I a success? We point the arrows of our heart out. Said God, make me a significance. I want to be significant at my job. I want to be significant at my home. I want to be significant in my city. I don't have to go to Asia or India or Africa. I could do it right here. I pray that you don't live a miserable life. A miserable life is for yourself. The the joy and the fulfillment you desire will never be found in a paycheck. It will never be found in followers. It's found in serving. It's found in giving. Freely you have received, freely give. There are people around us that are drowning. People around us that are broken and hurting. And we're so busy hosting kumbaya services. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. You might be like, wait, are we not having church next Sunday? No, we're having church next Sunday, and I need you to tithe. 
what I'm saying is I am done hiding in church. I don't know what it looks like for you. I don't know what God is telling you. But I can promise you it's as simple as adding value to people. I can tell you it's as simple as being salt and light. Please, Zoe, make everything better and everything brighter. When Zoe people showed up, you know there's a coffee shop here in L.A.? Alfred's. You guys know Alfred's? If you say on your application that you go to Zoe, they hire you immediately. Some of you are looking for a job. You need to hear me. If you say you go to Zoe, they hire you immediately. Because they know Zoe people make everything brighter. And they make everything better. God wants to do something great, not just in you, but could He use you?